We're back. We're in the dormer. We are in the dormer. DK, DPQ Studios. Yeah. Yeah, we're taking donations for a studio. If somebody wants to sign up for that. Yeah. yeah. In the what, dormer again. What's that level? Man. This is a crowded little desk. <laughs> it's secretly a tiny desk concert. Tiny. Uh, teeny um, tiny. Man. It is super hot. Yeah, it's toasty. today. Yeah. Yeah, we've been doing some fun stuff. Yep. Aaron came over today and helped me cut some metal down to make a welding cart thing. Mm-hmm. I did. I'm pretending to attempt to weld it. No, it's it's getting <laughs> welding. You're I mean, stuff it. is sticking together, right, so that's important. Right. It's it's square, which is yes. shocking. That's that's a good um, thing. It, man, this, this is like the first post-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there was so much time leading up to that. Right. We had the twofer yeah. on the last time, the two episodes for one Just getting release. ready for the expo and doing... So it's been kind of... Yeah. Thank you to anyone and everyone, everyone that came by and said hi. Always. Even if we weren't there, it was a busy, <laughs> it was a busy thing. Uh, a lot of, Somebody did a walkthrough video, yeah. and like it just walks by our table, and there's nobody there. It's just like, <laughs> well, there's another video that I'm standing there. Hey, but there's going to be something coming up soon that people could uh, come see us at because we really will be mm-hmm. predominantly stationary. I think yep. we won't be doing panels. Yeah, so we're doing the Homegrown Festival Ooh, in Silo at the end of September, mm-hmm. um, September 28th yep. in Silo exactly. Springs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly what we said the first uh, from time. From 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. It'll be good. So it's just, it's a craft fair, but mm-hmm. Sound Springs has the coolest downtown ever. It's pretty sweet. And we've interviewed one of the people that'll be there. Yep. And we have another interview set up yeah. with another person, but it's some cool, mm-hmm. some cool people. If you haven't been there in a while, we got a tour from Jessica mm-hmm. and uh, Abby. Mm-hmm. They took us down and around. Went it to, was a cool place. Yes. Yeah. So we're excited about that. But September 28th, you can see us there and check mm-hmm. out some really cool craftspeople and Salem Springs, hidden gem of a downtown because yes. that place is awesome. Popping. For real. Mm-hmm. Their main street is absolutely, it's really cool. I, yep. can't, I can't. There's a lot. It. There's a lot there. There's been a lot added since I've been there in the last couple yeah. of years even. Uh, we also want to say that we're now part of the Voice Press Ooh. Network. Voice Press Network. Yep. It's an it's a gathering of independently produced podcasts. Sweet. Um, we are that. We have a couple different shows on there. Mm-hmm. Action Orson. Yeah, is Action one. Orson is one of them. And Bunch of good guys. They're actually, I started listening to them. They started about the same time we did, I think. And they're based out of New York and do like mo- normally movie discussion. discussion. And it's mm-hmm. really, really well done. And yeah. it's by people that are in that field like mm-hmm. they very obviously know what they're talking about i think one of them has like a background in sound design yes. the other one i think screenwrites one of them acts a little bit mm-hmm. you know in it or you know is a working actor and uh just it's it's a really well done show mm-hmm. sound quality is amazing and very good the topics are great and the conversation is yes. great but well, action it, orson i think it lends to a different perspective than i've taken on a few movies oh yeah you for know sure. and listen yeah. to so listening to that it's like oh okay there's why we don't do a movie review right. podcast. Right, right. <laughs> we don't think about it the same way. But yeah, Action Orson. <laughs> but you can find them, you can find us, you can find other finely curated independent podcasts mm-hmm. at thevoicepress.com. So head over there, check it out. It's you know, it's not just the top 10 list on Apple and it's super hard to get up there. And so this network was created as just kind of a way to um, try to drive like word of mouth about these these other podcasts that you're not necessarily going to come across when you're swiping through mm-hmm. iTunes, um, but that are really great content 
and and really cool. And you can support somebody from the ground up, which is True. always cool. It's nice. Thank it's very you. punk DIY kind of thing Ooh, to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, we have very direct support. Yes. And I think we should thank those people. Super supporters. We've added a couple new patrons. We have. And... Uh, Things things are looking cheery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to write a check for some bills, and it's all it's all paid for by you guys. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's thank nice you. Not to dip into very, my kids' very college much. fund. <laughs> <laughs> not to dip into my negative fund <laughs> of like negative balance. But let's thank those people. <clears throat> yeah, in a very particular order. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how about we start at the top and I read down? Okay. <clears throat> thank you, Dana. I believe she's salty cat. By the way, on yes. Instagram, she's mm-hmm. sat next to us at the death rate. Yeah. Not to get sidetracked, but Dana, Cindy, Jeremy, Catherine, Jennifer, Travis, Tyler, Lindsay, Jesse, Sean, Holly Hill, James, Allison, and Brian. Anyway, let's talk <laughs> about this week's guest. Oh, because boy. Because 12-year-old me and actually current today me. Mm-hmm is beside myself with excitement and it's so obvious when I'm editing yeah. this episode how <laughs> like so I was the kid that grew up with like Red Dawn and mm. Cloak and Dagger and right like War yeah, Games yeah. all the Daryl all those movies and mm-hmm. the I think especially a kid coming th- at the very tail end of the Cold War like spies and espionage were such Heck yeah. a big thing and I mean, it's still kind of the case, but I, I don't know. I think the idea of being a CIA agent or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, there was something kind of mystical and cool about it, and it just seemed seemed really neat. So, Aaron, via a his kind uh, of random route, right? Uh, David Austin is the author. His wife is a customer of mine yeah. at work. She had mentioned a few things here and there, and through talking to her at work. Um, she said he was writing a book and I was like, oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So then, you know, a little bit, a few more things happened and everything like that. So talk to Daniel, talk to her. And then finally we talked to David and asked him, you know, to be on the show. And yeah. he said yes. And the rest is, look what I did history on the, yeah, the he, thing. It, the book is Terrence Vegen- Vengeance and it's, it's good. Yeah. I, I haven't Tehran. finished it yet. Tehran. Tehran's, Ven- Tehran's Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm never going to say that correctly. Hold on. <laughs> I believe you. It's, I know the- T-E-H-R-A-N, right. but I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. We're going to lose on this one. Revenge. Either way, that's the book. It's a, it's a work of fiction, very in like kind of Vince Flynn type world. Um, but it, yeah, it's a good book. It's a cool yes. book. The audio book is, so the physical book is available on yes. Amazon now and you can yep. get it as like an ebook. But uh, he's currently working on doing an audio book that'll be mm-hmm. available on Audible, Should hopefully soon. very soon. Mm-hmm. This one mm-hmm. is probably the most excited the twelve-year-old version of me has been in a room with a person in a long mm-hmm. time. It was, mm-hmm. and just the warmest guy. Oh yeah, truly just yep. Uh, not a grizzled kind of like mm-hmm. combat vet type <laughs> guy. You know what I'm saying? Like just right. that very like. Uh, just you wouldn't you wouldn't think twice nope. walking down the street, which I guess is the point. Yeah, but um, good job, really warm. Mm-hmm. And his wife came with him, and she was unbelievably pleasant as well. And yes. actually took the photographs for this one. Yeah. Heather was out, so mm-hmm. she took the photographs and loaned those to us. So yes. thank you very much for thank doing you, Katie. that. But otherwise, enjoy. Just now. Yeah. I don't know how to make a meme. I, 
Well, I'm over there. Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yep. What brings you here today, Dan? <laughs> My um, meme making. <laughs> no. Meme maker. Not creative enough. Oh, whatever. Inventive enough. Well, maybe. He has notes, too. People are getting really professional. Wow! On us. I just we just have this. I stuff bought out a thing well, so I can take notes, but I never actually do well, it. It says here that my phone is dead. <laughs> <laughs> so well. I have notes only because this is the second podcast of only the second podcast I've ever done. That's two more than us. So no. <laughs> right, I've been on this one consistently oh, no. every time. <laughs> so I hope they keep me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, podcasts are, are becoming good. much more ubiquitous, though. It is definitely mm-hmm. like. That's a thing. Yeah. Um, so let's start with who you are and what you do, because okay. I don't know, really, but yeah. I did see your book. Cool. Yeah, my name is Dave Austin. Um, currently work for Walmart uh, with the executive protection team, so providing security for the company's leadership as they travel around the world. Um, been with the company about 14 years. Uh, prior to that, was with the Central Intelligence Agency for 12, uh, primarily doing protection there as well for the director, the deputy director, and uh, folks that were operating around the world in, in high-risk environments. Um, been married for 29 years to the wonderful lady sitting behind us here. Hi. And okay. uh, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster ride with her and takes a special kind of person to uh, put up with the schedules, the time away, the short notice, uh, travel, uh, things of that nature that uh, comes with being the spouse of an agency officer because right. your hours are monday through friday nine to five <laughs> absolutely very like one sure. hour lunches as dictated yeah. by law literally yeah okay yeah. got it none of those occasions it's where we're like on days <laughs> off and, and i get a call that says um you know get out to the airport in two hours somebody will meet you there with a plane ticket and your passport and at that point we'll tell you where you're going and we have no idea for how long right so you know nothing like that ever yeah happens. no i'm sure it's yeah. it's I feel it's, it's all. only in the movies, yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, but I will be honest, like, so you get the, all right, we're going to have a CIA agent, and 12-year-old me is like, spy, spy, spy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, but is it going to be like, I assume there's a lot of paperwork that happens a lot of times, <laughs> and data crunching, and those types of things, uh-huh. right? Like the Jack Ryan at home type of version sure. of stuff. And so then I really did have that question of like, what is the reality of the job? Mm-hmm. But, um, but mine was I, not that job. Mine was not the paper crunching. Sitting so that the that is reality. There are the people that are just taking the data and kind of looking oh, absolutely. For yeah. And There's the the analysts, right? Um, who you know the raw data comes in from right. the field, uh, from the case officers and the other people out there who are gathering the intelligence. Mm-hmm. Comes back to headquarters. The analysts crunch through it, make sense of it, connect the dots, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, get that information to the director and the agency's leadership that then pass that along to the, the president to help decisions. the help the policy make uh, policymakers right. um, you know have make informed decisions on which way to go and what we're going to do. But it sounds like your job is definitely more on the what we would classically think of as feet on the ground kind of operation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a protective standpoint, right? Um, you know whether it was uh, you know we did. 24-7 protection for the director and the deputy director. So we were moving with them, um, you know, around D.C. on a daily basis. Uh, the White House, Capitol Hill, State Department, you know, everywhere in D.C. Um, also traveling around the country with them right. um, and overseas as well. And then uh, we were also part of a group that would uh, deploy overseas for, you know, 60 to 90 days at a time uh, to protect uh, agency officers over there in, in high-risk right. locations. 
So is this similar to like secret service role, but you're doing it specifically for CIA? When we were with the director and the deputy director, very similar. Right. Um, on a much smaller scale. Right. Um, when we were doing the stuff overseas um, in the high risk areas, mm -hmm. it was much more low profile mm -hmm. kind of sneaking around in cars and attire and things that blend in with the local environment, not drawing attention to ourselves, you know, in back alleys and things of that nature. So you guys occasionally have to work with the private security. So I have a friend that actually works okay. for the, I think Department of Defense subcontracted right in mm -hmm. security abroad. Sure. And do you guys sometimes have to collaborate with that or is it totally separate from what they're doing as well? There was some. Now at the time that I left, um, it was, um, we really ramped up after September 11th in 2000. Right, yeah. Uh, requirements were just enormous. And that was when they started bringing in a bunch of the, uh, the contractors. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we did um, work with them some. Um, the agency had some agreements with some different companies. Uh, we would have people that would um, supplement our groups overseas. And in that respect, we worked with them. Right. But it was... Uh, typically kind of a collaboration. You know, they were part of our group and our organization gotcha. kind of supplementing Right, us. right. Yeah, because yeah, I guess I always assumed that somebody got on a plane and got off into his care. You know, like it was yeah. a transfer of, no, but it makes more sense that you're traveling yeah. with that kind of consistent. Yeah, we would always, we'd have a team that would go out ahead of time. Mm. And, um, you know, similar with all protective work. Is, right. Um, you know, you go out and you do your advance work and all the preparations and set up everything for the uh, the arrival and the visit, run the routes, looking at safe havens, hospitals, um, how you're going to get from point A to point B, setting up access to different locations, right. uh, looking at security threats, medical, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we would have a team that would go out ahead of time, another group that flies in with the director, but then we would be there to greet them and then run through the itinerary for however long they were going to be in that given city or country you need to do more pre-work when we travel right it's probably not as safe as it <laughs> the, could be. the two times when I did we drive do the thing in Salem that. Springs yeah. later this year you yeah. need to drive out ahead of yeah. time and make sure I'll it's going to be safe yeah. rubber band and also I need to know yeah. where the Dairy Queen is between here and there that's an important stop we'll have that on the itinerary okay <laughs> what got you like my question is where does one go from just like what you're doing before any of that to mm -hmm. what what you, were you doing yeah. before that uh, kind of bouncing around. I got into it because it was kind of the family business. Uh, my dad was with the, the agency. CIA. Was oh yeah, my dad. Like, um, yeah. the story took a weird turn. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was private. Your last owned. name Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the FBI? that's the FBI. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's <laughs> the bureau. Oh. No, my dad was with the agency for twenty-seven years. Oh, okay, um, and so when it was time for me to start looking at career um, options, I had a couple of different options. Uh, he and I sat down and talked about it, and with the experiences that he had there over his career. Um, you know, I think he may have guided me a little bit uh, in that direction. <laughs> right. Um, which I went, um, you know, happily. And uh, so that was how, how it worked out. Is the CIA something that you can just apply for? Amazingly, yeah. You can okay. go on the website. Um, hmm. Back when I first started was kind of before the internet, so I'm dating myself. Um, but yeah, they'd place ads in newspapers when they were hiring and stuff like that. And they'd have <laughs> no information joke. to, uh, 
Yeah, to send your send Snow your resume. Stand Hardy's CIA. CIA Culinary Institute of, yeah. uh, of Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you show the first day to work, ready yeah. to go. Ready yeah. to go. It's like knife wearing yeah. a chef's hat. Yeah. It's like hello. Oh wait, I'm here. Yeah, uh, I believe this is the wrong room. Were you, yeah. you were in the military before? I was. I was in the army. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Four years in the army. Mm-hmm. Which they have an yeah. intelligence division. Were you part of that? Or? No, I was just uh, an infantryman. Okay. I was actually stationed at um, with the the old guard in Washington D.C. So oh, the group yeah. that does the uh, the funerals in Arlington National Cemetery, they've got the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. Um, you see, doing the um, presentation of colors and the different uh, ceremonies around the the White House in D.C. That was the unit that I was part and of. To my understanding, that's actually a pretty prestigious thing to be in, right? It is like kinda, you don't yeah. just yeah, it's very I mean, humble of you. That's yeah. No, there's, I don't feel like you show up on day one. and You're like, I'll just do this. The right. the headstone mm. over there. No, <laughs> no. And it was you know there are certain groups within the old guard that do the different tasks. Mm-hmm. So I was not one of the sentinels at the tomb, um, but I was uh, a member of the color guard. So you know when you do have the funeral, there's a, a bunch of different elements. But right. not to get too far into the weeds. But there's a marching element. There, uh, there's the colors team that has the flags. Uh, there are the uh, the casket team that moves the casket around, right. you know, and stuff like that. So that was uh, what I did. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. So maybe I saw you. Could be. I went to the changing of the guard in my eight-hour trip to D.C. How long That was ago? one thing on the... I, I was 11, so like... 25 years? No. <laughs> I, if it, was, it was 26 it, years yeah. ago. I mean, that's... I, I'm trying to think. 27 yeah. years ago? Something, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I mean, legitimately, the timing might work out, because it would have been 94, 93, somewhere in there. Yeah, I got out in 95. You so. see? Totally wow. possible. I've never been yeah. to D.C., so... You did a great did job. DC. 12-year-old yeah. me was very impressed. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I wasn't one of the sentinels at the tomb, but if you saw you <laughs> oh, one of the funerals going see, on no, or I didn't something see like that, then there was an opportunity there. Man, I've got a f- so like when you join the CIA uh-huh. or they recruit whatever that takes place, whatever sure. that's called. What type of because I know what is it the FBI? FBI they go to like Quantico, mm-hmm. right? What is a what is that part of that look like for you? There's uh, a couple of different parts. So I started out there. The CIA has its own police force, mm-hmm. uniform police force, and so got hired on uh, in that position. Um, Everybody that is in that position goes down to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Academy, which is in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So we went down there for about a nine-week course, uh, came back up, uh, and then we had an internal. It was probably two or three weeks um, at one of our own training facilities uh, there in the Virginia area. Um, and then, you know, you roll into to doing your job. Hmm. Um, when I moved into protection, then that was a whole separate, you know, we had a whole other eight-week course that was um, an internally taught course at one of our own training facilities um, because kind of what we how we did protection at the agency was a little different than what the Secret Service does or State Department does or, or the others because mm-hmm. especially when we're overseas we really focus a lot on the low-profile aspect mm-hmm. um, learning a lot of uh, tradecraft the blending in things of that nature so it was an internal course that we had to go through and then as you're there, there's just, you know, follow-on training, uh, refresher training, things of that nature. Wow. What is the thing? I feel like this is something that, like, the perception is different than the reality probably. Mm-hmm. What do you think the thing that is 
most commonly a misperception for for a civilian looking in at that, like that we get wrong just assuming about it. I think the biggest thing that that people get wrong is just assuming that the CIA is just this rogue agency that goes and does all this black arts and black magic stuff behind the scenes um, without any type of authorization or oversight or, or stuff of that nature. Because that's Delta. No. <laughs> <laughs> Delta. Or the yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, pretty much when it comes to covert action, things of that nature, that stuff is all... Um, you know, signed off and, and blessed by the White House. Right, and, right. You know, so when something goes down, and usually, you know, people never hear about the good stuff because it remains right. classified and doesn't come to light and everything. Right. It's only when, you know, something gets screwed up or, or whatever that uh, it hits the media. And so people, you know, generally only hear the bad stuff. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's just that, uh, you know, people think that it's like the movies and there's all these, you know, you know, scheming bad guys at the agency that are trying to, you know, do something illegal or corrupt right. or something like that. And it's, you know, we're paid to break the laws of other countries, not paid to break the laws <laughs> of the United States. So, you know. Um, <laughs> so We're saving that. <laughs> no, but I think... Um, I, now I lost my train. What, what, what I'm getting at, I guess, is... Uh, I think we also probably misunderstand the scope of the different agencies, right? Like mm-hmm. I, FBI is domestic, domestic yeah. CIA is international. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you think that our perception of what would you say the scope of work of the CIA is like, what is the work mandate? Cause I feel like that's something we're not clear about. Yeah. I think it's, it's, Fairly simple, probably, mm-hmm. is it's the collection of information um, outside the United States uh, to help the president make, make decisions. decisions on national security. Right. Um, you know, there is the, the covert action element, and ever since uh, September 11th, there's been more of a direct action, I think, uh, role with drone strikes and... Uh, things of that nature that mm-hmm. the CIA has taken on that wasn't historically part of its mission. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, intelligence gathering is the um, the meat and potatoes of, of what the agency does. And, and that's mostly... Overseas. Like, and that's another one of those, I think, misconceptions. Right. It's not Because in the movies, yeah, you see the CIA, we got yeah. black helicopters flying around <laughs> Washington, D.C. I mean, Delta's going to pick that. me up tomorrow because I threw him under the bus. But... Sure. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it's been good knowing you. But they, they don't, don't have nothing to do with the agency. <laughs> Whatever that, yeah, what Delta does is Delta's business. <laughs> totally unrelated. So, mm, yeah. Probably the president doesn't even know. Um, well, bye, Aaron. It was nice meeting you. Uh, <laughs> what? So, and I would assume that most of that is just information gathering from informants or, right, like making relationships with people and getting that information. That's a big part of it. So there's, you know, there's the human intelligence, which that part would be recruiting people in foreign countries to provide you information. There's, um, you know, electronic intelligence, so eavesdropping, things of that nature, Um, all kinds of different ways to gather it. So whether they are... Um, doing it electronically, you know, tapping phones or placing bugs, or listening devices, whatever it is. Um, Getting into websites. The, sure, those yeah. You actually, I think, yeah, like in the preface of your book, kind of start with a, a more data-intensive, technological kind of infiltration at the start of the book. Sure. With, with the, the virus uh, that 
yeah, right? in the on the Iranian uh, nuclear facility yeah. in the town. So. Um, but because I think because as a kid, you have this idea that like you put on a disguise and you sneak uh, into it, right? The very Mission Impossible idea sure. of the thing. Yeah. It's okay if you want to tell me that that's true, even if that's a lie. You can just tell me that people put on disguises and there are places. parts of, parts of it that are true. <laughs> right. Yes, that makes me so happy. There are okay. people. That, Thank you, Jack that, Reacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, what? <laughs> He's an MP. <laughs> so what? Still good. Yeah. yeah. So Aaron doesn't read spy it's, books. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been changed. Ooh, they, they bumped which, it down spy novelist gets it most right i would say if you read um vince flynn some books yeah i have read some um which he passed away way too early from yeah, cancer and yeah. now uh, kyle mills has taken up the uh, series and done right. a fantastic job with it um those are very good uh, brad thor is mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. that uh, is fantastic uh, those two are, are two of my favorites i think um, back in the day the tom clancy books were mm-hmm. um you know, pretty accurate and very detailed. And uh, so I'd say those are probably three of the the ones that I would think would be at the top of the list. I can't think of the guy's name. There was a guy who did, he did a book about the CIA and it was a big, thick, huge book and it was kind of like the history of it. It went generationally. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? And then he did a a much slimmer, I'm going to have to look this up and I'll just like, I don't know, add notes or something, but he did a slimmer volume where it was a, a guy coming over, I think from Russia, like kind of Cold War era, and it was them. He was defecting, but they were worried that he was a double agent. Okay. Right. And it was just this great gripping conversation between three parties, basically, for an entire book of these no, guys trying to cool, figure out yeah. what's happening. You know, yeah. it's like that is always stuck in my head of like, I bet that's more accurate in some cases than. Jack Ryan's adventures might end sure. up being at some yeah. point, <laughs> but but he's always stuck in my head because he, uh, yeah, he did a really good job of uh, I think of kind of like laying out the history of the CIA in a mm-hmm. novel format, you know. But following yeah. through over, I think it was like a seventy year period. I'll let you know when I find yeah. it. I always reference something I can't remember. Me too, <laughs> or that I just get wrong. <laughs> um, but that being said, so. You wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us about that? About the process or about the book? About or? like just the book in general. I just because I I read a little bit of the preface, but sure. is this the first book that you've written? It's the first book that okay. I've written. Yeah. Uh came out last year, mm-hmm. end of last year. Uh basically a story about um as you mentioned earlier with the cyber attack on Iran's uh, nuclear facility that took place in two thousand nine. Um nobody has officially taken credit for it. Uh, but there are suspicions that, uh, you know, some of the Western governments were involved, um, but nobody's fessed up to it, you know. It, so that that initial event really occurred. That did happen, yeah. That is so yeah, cool. that's true. Yeah. Um, so I was worried at first, is that kind of being in the, in the preface? It was a little dated. I mean, it's 10 years that, since that happened. Right. But... As I went on and, and continued writing, it was kind of the, uh, the kickoff for the story that... Mm-hmm. Over all those years, the Iranians have been trying to figure out who was responsible for this attack because it really damaged their nuclear program. Right. Um, and what if they found out kind of who the key players were? And then those people, and in this case it was eight, were kind of elevated to the top of their hit list, and then they start checking these people off their, off their list um, as they move around the world. So it's... Uh, 
it's kind of the the Iranians finding out about it, um, and then they start taking some of these people out. And there's a group um, from the agency who is sent to investigate and track these guys down and uh, try to stop them before they kind of bring their own brand of violence to the shores of the United States. Um, so what made you decide to write a book? I've been an avid reader since I was a kid, kind right. of this genre. And um, then as I got older... You know, got into the Tom Clancy, the Vince, Vince Flynn stuff, um, Brad Thor. Um, I got to a point probably, I want to say about six years ago maybe, mm-hmm. where I thought, yeah, this would be kind of interesting and give a shot, see if I could do it. Yeah. Because um, I'd never been creative in anything in my life. Been, you know, never done any creative writing, none of that. You know, I was kind of the... The action, go do stuff, you know, rather than sit here and think about stuff. You're what all yeah. the writing people are wishing they were. <laughs> I'm a writer, I can say that. Yeah. So, so I sat down and I wrote um, maybe a chapter, maybe two. I can't remember how long it took me. It was like the hardest thing ever, you know, yeah. to do. First paragraph probably took me like three hours or something like that, you know. And I was like, okay, well, that was kind of cool, but it was really hard and. Um, so I kind of set it aside for a little bit, you know, got on with life and work and, and whatever else. And at some point, kind of pulled it back out and said, well, let me continue on this, you know, work on it a little bit more and a little bit more. And then um, kind of got into the flow, started kind of outlining the story and uh, really enjoyed uh, the research that it takes to do something like this. And then also what I found is as I was writing a lot of times the story and the characters would just take me off in a different mm-hmm. direction. Not what I'd planned, but as I'm writing, I'm going through, you know, they start going on into some totally unknown, uncharted place right. that I hadn't thought of and, uh, and really just in, enjoyed the heck out of that. So again, did some more on it, set it aside for a while, got on with my life, doing some other stuff. And then it was really probably about two and a half years ago that I got, serious i'm like you know i'm gonna finish this thing i'm gonna take it seriously i want to get it you know published and put out and um, really buckled down and and got serious and and finished it so that's a huge accomplishment like for for the number of people that start books and then don't finish them is a lot of stuff hits a drawer and i was it takes a lot to get it out there in that position for a long time until i don't know i i just buckled down and kind of said you know i want to if nothing else, just do it for me, um, you know, to say that I've I've done it and I followed through on it and completed right. it. And, uh, yeah, so it was it was pretty cool when it was finished. And I kind of printed up that first, you know, first copy. And, yeah. And uh, first I had to send it off to the, uh, the CIA has a publication review board. Right. So anything that I write <laughs> has to go to them mm-hmm. before it goes to editors or anything like that for their approval. Um, so I had to send it off to them. Took Is that for any agent in the CIA? Yeah. If they ever write anything, it automatically has to go through. Yeah, anything. You, wow. Emails write. too? No, no I'm kidding. not you too. But <laughs> Honey, uh, your Mother's Day card is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, but anything that we write, uh, fiction, nonfiction, right. whatever, it's got to be approved um, hmm. before it gets sent out. So that process took about four months. Right. Uh, at the time, I thought it seemed long. Um and I think, you know, the, the group there the, at the Publication Review Board, they were great to work with. Uh, 
the most frustrating part was they couldn't kind of give me a timeline as to right. when it would be finished. Right. You know, I sent it in and they're like, yep, yeah, okay, we're working on it. And then like, you know, 30 days later, I'd call for an update. Oh, yeah, yeah, still working on it. Can you give me an idea? No, no, we're working on it, you know. And then finally, about four months later, I got a, an email that some said answer. there were some minor changes that they wanted me to make. Right. Um, which I was kind of happy with because I thought there would be a whole lot more. But I was really diligent about not trying to put anything sensitive in there or right. anything that would give, you know, adversaries a leg up on the people that are still out there doing yeah. the job. Mm. Um, and then especially I got a couple of friends and uh, some other people I know that were writing books and they were writing nonfiction mm -hmm. and theirs were taken up to a year because they were actually based well, yeah. on, you know, right. their careers or a memoir or something like that. So when I heard that, I thought, Hey, four months isn't that bad. And there's no way I'm going to do anything other than fiction because if it's going to take <laughs> oh, geez, an entire yeah. year to yeah. get it approved, then uh, that's not happening. So. Yeah. And you know, yeah. there has to be a writer that like it goes through the whole process and they're like, we have to change this, change this. And then two months later, they unclassify all of the stuff that I was The guy's like, no. Yeah. I would bet this probably happened <laughs> yeah. at some point. You know? So many things. I sent in my yeah. original. Everything's been redacted. Yeah. It's, just, it's like a zebra. They sent, yeah, send it back to you and it's all black lines. You oh know? my gosh. Yeah. A month yeah, later, so. like, never mind. It's all good now. That would yeah. be so heartbreaking. Well, um, go ahead. Did you draw from your own experiences then and put some of those? situations or you know predicaments that you got into in i built on my training and experience um not necessarily in the attack scenes and stuff like that um, okay but based on um training and case study and there were some of the attack scenes that were loosely based on some that actually occurred that I had friends involved with or colleagues, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there were some, you know, taken from, um, you know, experiences and, mm -hmm. and training and things of that nature. So you said that sometimes the characters would kind of write their own story a little bit. Mm -hmm. Did you have any of those moments where you felt like you'd written yourself into a corner? It's funny. I do that every now and then because especially with, uh, the book I'm currently working on. Right. Is it was weird. I kind of had it planned out in my head. Um, and I guess it was almost like in thirds, maybe. And so I had like this first section right. planned out Act One, Act Two, Act yeah, Three. Yeah, kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah. And I got to the thing and I got to the end of that part. And then I'm like, oh crap, I'm stuck. <laughs> now what do I do? <laughs> you know, I got to the part that I'd planned out and everything. And uh, so then, you know, it took me a few days or a week or something, just, you know, kind of brainstorming and, and thinking about, okay, now with everything that's happened, where do we go from here? And, yeah. and what's the next point? Um, I think there were probably a couple of parts in, in the book, Tehran's Vengeance, where uh, things did take an unexpected turn that I really hadn't planned for. And then it took me a few days to kind of figure out what was next, you know, or how do we get out of this? Um, I was like, man, I didn't see that coming and that's jacked up, but, um, okay. So what's going to happen or, you know, what are we going to do to, to fix this? Or, um, those damn bad guys kept being, you know, a step ahead of us at every, every right. turn, you know, I'm about ready for us to get some payback on them. So, uh, yeah, that definitely happens. How, how realistic did you try to keep it in the sense of, you know, you look at a Jason Bourne movie mm -hmm. and somewhere in there, things begin to just. Sure. Become extremely cinematic, right? Yeah. And um, did you, does the book lean that direction to kind of spectacle or did it, does this to you play out in a 
a fashion that could actually have played out or could play out in the future. Ish. Doing the monster ish. I should have saved that for Halloween and also worked on it more. Yeah. We uh someone get on that and write that for us, would you? Welcome to the halfway point. Ish, ish. It's uh one day we should put like a sponsor here or something. But right yeah. now it's just a nice break in yeah. between. Yeah, that's where someone listening comes in. Right. Yeah. Thank you, patrons. Well, but you know, you know kind of yeah. coming sponsors, the right. Homegrown Festival in Heck Silent yeah. Springs. I think. Oh, Yo, so how about that? Definitely, you should check that out. It totally yes. such a great, especially if you. I'm a motorcycle rider, so I have no problem with it. But if you don't want to be in Fayetteville downtown, mm-hmm. in the middle of all that, you can pop over to Silent Springs. It's on that yes. Saturday. And it's 10 to 5, and mm-hmm. they have an ice cream shop. They have a cool, like, bar. They have food trucks. They'll, they'll have live music. Tons. So there's tons of stuff to do mm-hmm. that will, I think, kind of get you a little bit off the beaten path over there. Yep. Um, a beautiful park. Yes. A brand new, like, amphitheater gazebo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. New library right there by Yeah, it's, man. It's some pretty sweet stuff. There's a coffee shop yeah, right down the street. Yeah, it, it's cool. So yep. anyway, but that's the Homegrown Festival in Siloam. And just a shout-out to Heather, who does all of our like digital media and mm-hmm. kind of uh, website work, she actually will have a booth there selling her Ooh. art. And her art is yep incomparable. I, there's just, it's super unique, at, really, really cool stuff. So check out mm-hmm. at Burden Blade, Blade on Instagram mm-hmm. to see some of her stuff. But there'll be other amazing artists out there as oh, well. Tons of stuff. Yeah. So, good, good um, and then for us, just, uh, you know, follow us on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, comment, talk to us on Twitter, the like we want to talk to you guys more we want to interact more uh we every once in a while we'll kind of throw out a thing on instagram like what are you working on this weekend or whatever because the idea really is to kind of like highlight the community of creativity yes and so um absolutely we want you guys to tag look what i did Mm -hmm. you know on on instagram or facebook or uh comment on what you're working on but I, i think it's cool as we've done this, we've gotten to meet people yeah. that you didn't know were doing the thing in your area. Exactly. Right. And so I think there is a great way for people to connect yes. via ideally one day, maybe we'll even have kind of a platform or something where you can kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like meet and talk to each other through that, that be, because yes. the idea is to bring the creative community together. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to some decently high profile people yeah. in the industry that they're in, but there's hundreds of people in town that are doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, we're just starting and, yes. uh, I don't think there's a person we've talked to that wouldn't respond to an email or right, right you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think definitely um, let's get that conversation started. Yep. I think there were uh, there were a few people at like we recently were a part of the Death Ray Expo, and there's other things. You know, it's just like they'd come by the table and talk to us. You know, either they'd heard us or heard about us, or they just came to ask what it was about, and then they you know shared. Things that they had done, you know, things that they're doing, things that they would like to yeah. uh, do. There was a gentleman across from our table that it, that was his first show. Amazing art. Barn dog art. Barn, barn I dog bought art. some art from him. It's, I bought a Rocketeer Indiana Jones mashup, like, mm-hmm. comic book cover. It is one of the coolest things I've ever... Yeah. Barn dog art on Instagram. Check it out. Yeah. Because that guy does some sweet... Oh, yeah. Like, not even a reimagining, but he kind of collides things a little bit like <laughs> mm-hmm. he did one with um who's who's jamie lee curtis's character in halloween it, whatever her name is in right. halloween but it's her wearing the michael myers mask yep. and it's such a creepy it's good cool mm-hmm. photo or not photo drawing and the idea yes. of it uh, in his little kind of caption was in this most recent installment 
kind of she became the hunter, you know, and that mm-hmm. was his way of showing that. Yeah. But it's some cool stuff. Yeah. But that I think that's what it's all about. So mm-hmm. definitely feel free to tag us, please, um, because I think that kind of starts growing that community, mm-hmm. and it's it's about you guys just as much yep. as it is yep. any of the guests that we have. Honestly, it's we'd about love the to see as a whole. Want to hear from you? Want to see what you're doing? Yep. That's the whole point of this and why we started yeah. it. I yeah. post my weird failure, half-hearted stuff all the time. So <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> get get at us on Instagram at mm-hmm. LWID Project mm-hmm. and Twitter at LWID Project. Yeah. So hit cool. us up. Follow. Back to Mr. Get it. CIA operative. Well, not anymore. Retired right. former. Former. Are they retired? Yeah. I don't think they retire. Sort of like Marines, right? I don't know. I don't know. Former, Former CIA operative, right. David, David Austin, Austin mm-hmm. and current author. Yeah. With the second book soon. Yep. All right. How, how realistic did you try to keep it in the sense of, you know, you look at a Jason Bourne movie mm-hmm. and somewhere in there things begin to just sure become extremely cinematic, right? Yeah. And um, did you does the book lean that direction to kind of spectacle or did it, does this to you play out in a, a fashion that could actually have played out or could play out in the future? Yeah, I think so. I think I tried to keep it as realistic as I could. Like I said earlier, without giving away anything. Well, right. Right. And to make it, to make it interesting and entertaining. It still has to have climax. Yeah. There's, you know, no space age stuff in there or anything. It's actually, um, you know, the weapons and some of the tactics and, um, you know, how the attacks were taking place and all those things I think are um, based in reality and are things that could actually happen. Right. And not a person getting up from a desk, filing papers, and then flying a helicopter <laughs> into a combat mission five minutes later. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Got to push this pencil for a while first. <laughs> yeah, Got to sharpen then it before I guys. played a lot yeah. of Microsoft Windows. Did you hear What'd you about bring? The- a pencil. <laughs> uh, I, I think I recently read that, that... Was it the 9-11 pilots that taught themselves off Windows Flight Simulator how to fly a plane? It was some. It was something where people had taught themselves off of Windows flights. Yeah. No. Um, the guy that lived in Arkansas that ran, wasn't that related to the CIA, actually? The guy in, or was that a different? Oh, the one in, in uh, Mina, Mina or whatever. They did the Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, yeah. Is that related to the CIA? In yeah, some it way? could have been. Or not, Could whatever. Possibly. Based on the movie, um, no, but no, maybe that wasn't. I remember. Sorry, totally different thing. Fire festival. They hired a pilot who taught himself how to fly with the Windows Flight Simulator, yeah. and he was the person that flew in between islands. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't be a, surprised though if some of the nine eleven guys did mm-hmm. do that because they went to flight schools here. Yeah, in the you States. learned something on but, the. Yeah, I could see where they could you see, know, start so out. So a pencil do that. pusher could learn how to fly a plane. Well, there is a there's a documentary about drones, and they do recruit a lot of people at these uh, like video game conventions for flying. Oh, I would imagine so. Like yeah. It's interesting. You get the hand eye coordination mm-hmm. um, that you get yeah. from video games. Learn some and, sure. stuff from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That makes sense. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that your uh, current security type job is as or less dangerous than your previous? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know about dangerous. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's different. So, um, the scale and scope of what we're doing is different. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the places that we go are similar. Um, some of them are different. Um, 
the principles of protecting people is the same, whether right. you're doing it in the government or you're doing it in the corporate world or the entertainment world. I mean, those core principles mm -hmm. transfer around. So a lot of the same uh, skills and tactics and things that we used in the government were put into, put into use here in the corporate uh, setting, um, but at a different scale. Um, you know, and we certainly are more uh, corporate friendly, I think. Um, but again, we wouldn't change or not do anything that would um, put somebody in harm's way or, or affect their, their level of safety or security. It's, I never think about corporate people needing security like that, but because they have to travel internationally sometimes too, I would assume mm -hmm. for meetings and stuff. And so oh, yeah. it just we, becomes. We spend half the year probably in, over, in international locations overseas. Um, with Walmart being as big as it is, I mean, we've got operations in 28 countries. Right. Um, you know, we're in Africa, Asia, South and Central America, Mexico. Is um, the primary concern there kidnapping, I would feel like? It depends on the location. So, um, you know, if you're someplace, Mexico, Central America, there's, uh, you know, that's a, a big, big piece of it. Um, you know, random crime on the street, right. carjacking, things right. of that nature. Um, we have a lot of... Um, what we call persons of interest. So people who have, say, an unhealthy fixation on one of the executives, a CEO, right, somebody right. of that nature, somebody who's making threats. Um, but a lot of what we do also to kind of bring value in the corporate world mm -hmm. is uh, a lot of the other pieces that we, that we bring to the table. So, um, you know, setting up ground transportation and taking care of hotels and kind of the protocol with the people that we're going to meet and, uh, you know, driving the routes and knowing the hospitals and safe havens and, and things of that nature that really when they land and we receive them, we try to make them as efficient as they can be right. on the ground, right? So, you know, he's not having to, uh, you know, stand in line at the check-in at the rental car counter and that's just wasting time and then getting in the car and trying to figure out okay how do i get to my first meeting or what is whatever. your daily rate when i travel this would be so much better <laughs> so, there's a lot of line waiting mcdonald's yeah, especially exactly. in the frankfurt train station just saying yeah <laughs> so uh, you know we try to provide value in that way right uh, making them efficient so when they land they can just focus on business right, right. they can get on phone calls or doing emails or having a meeting in the car they're not having to worry about all this logistical pieces of right. being around. Right. And then, um, you know, another big piece of what we do is, is a medical response. So everybody on the team is, um, you know, trained in different uh, disciplines um, from uh, basic, you know, CPR and first aid and AED to more of a, a tactical combat casualty care. Right. Um, up to uh, the emergency medical responder level, which is just below EMT. So, you know, that having that medical response capability is, is also a big part of what we do, especially, you know, some of the countries that we travel to where right. um, those capabilities in country are probably less than what we would right. desire well, if even we just had to go. Reducing the response time, right? You're already sure. there, so you're yeah. not waiting on an ambulance yeah. or something to Yeah, arrive. we're there. We have a med kit. Uh, um, with us uh, to be able to treat a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and then there's that decision-making process, you know, depending on where we are, um, is it faster for us to take them in our vehicle and get them to the emergency room or is it quicker to call the ambulance? Um, you know, some places overseas, the ambulance service doesn't have the advanced life support like we do here. Right. So it's pretty much just transportation. 
a driver and another dude show up, throw you in the back, and, and race you to the hospital. But there's no care given <laughs> right in, in between, between. Right? Yeah. The care is how fast so, you can get there. Exactly. <laughs> how many care. red lights yeah. you blow yeah. between? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. It's so. so when you're doing um, the security of that nature, I would feel like that's much more um, visible security than when you were working for the CIA. So you kind of want your presence more known? Not so much. The, oh, it's, really? It's still a little very bit low opposite. profile. So, yeah, so when we were... It's a it's an agency. Like when we are in D.C., you look like Secret Service guys, right? Right. You're wearing a suit, you got a lapel pin, you got you know an earpiece sticking out of your ear, everybody knows that you're a federal agent right. of some type. Um, it was when we would go overseas that we were much more low profile. Uh, for the most part, here in the corporate world, mm-hmm. um, you know, the executives are not looking for a heavy-handed security presence. Right. You know, the big Hollywood-style bodyguard dude that's, you know, 250 pounds right. of muscle and all tatted up with full sleeves and everything. You know, you look at me. That's I'm, what we're missing. I'm a, More tattoos. I'm a, scrawny, <laughs> I'm a scrawny dude. And, uh, You're in good so, shape, though. Well, this, that's yeah, a part I of it. Yeah. Healthy. That's a part of it. Healthier than I. But uh, I walked stairs today at the gym. Yeah. I'm not protecting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> at least not if, for long, if right? If stairs are involved, yeah, no, that's a... Uh, you can throw yourself on top of them. If you're susceptible to tickles. <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. Sure. But, um, you know, we, we tend to try to blend in, mm-hmm. um, you know, maintain that low profile, uh, look like every other member of the traveling party. Um, there are times when you kind of have to make yourself known as the security type, mm-hmm. um, whether we've got you know, some protests and demonstrations going on, or again, you know, we're out at a venue and you've got, you know, somebody paying a little too much attention or being a little too pushy, um, you know, then you kind of step in and really kind of assert your your presence. But right. for the most part, we like to kind of just, you know, hang in the background and not be noticed and right. and kind of do our thing. So how has is, how is this affected, like, your personal life and how you approach, like, driving around through certain... You know, just your day to day. Sure. You know, your schedule. You get up. You know, right. you drive. Do you drive the same way home every time? Do you? You know, is it? Are there things like that that you take into consideration, or is it just? I do. Second nature. It becomes second nature mm-hmm. um, after a while, and it's a funny story with with Kate. Is we'll be someplace, and you know whether we had gone to a concert or we were going to the mall or or we were someplace, and I don't even notice it, but. She'll elbow me and she says, you're doing it again. And I'm like, doing what? <laughs> and she says, you're doing your secret agent thing. You're checking everybody out. You're looking for alternate exits. You're, you're doing this, you're doing that. And mm-hmm. it really, you know, it becomes second nature that you're, you're looking at people's hands. You're looking at people's demeanor and how they're acting, how they're mm-hmm. dressed in relation to everybody else. Uh, you know, we go to a restaurant and you're looking at, you know, alternate ways out. You know, you're sitting with your back to the to the wall so you can see the entire room. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that she'll do is she knows that. So when I'm ordering, she'll go and she'll get the seat that forces me to have my back to the room. Oh. And it makes <laughs> see that makes me uncomfortable. It makes me crazy. <laughs> it really yeah. does. I don't want my back to the room either. either. So, I read you know, Shane as a little kid and he never sat with his back to the room. Yeah. So there are things like that. It, it becomes second nature. And <laughs> after doing it for so long, cause for me now it's been about 26 years that I've been doing this. Um, a lot of times you really don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. But then somebody like Kate, you know, she'll see it and she'll notice and she'll say something to me about it. But I think it just becomes part of your daily mm-hmm. life. It's ingrained into you. Yeah. 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 Do you actually drive a different way home every day? I change it up, yeah. And the same going to work, 
Yeah. We're supposed to do that with bank deposits too, but no. Yeah, I do that. I just <laughs> talk, everybody always. I'm not going to say what I do. I'm not. <laughs> gonna, I, didn't, I didn't say what I do either. No. I'm just saying if you had a bank deposit. Yes. But it is. That's the, the biggest thing, and we preach it to, um, you know, people. When I was in the government, we preach it to to executives here. It's mm-hmm. the routines that'll get you in trouble because, oh, yeah. you know, you go the same way. You stop at the same Starbucks every morning. You know, you leave the house at the same time. You come home at the same time. You become very predictable. You make it really easy for a bad guy, whether it's, you know, somebody trying to kidnap a government official or it's just somebody trying to, you know, carjack you and steal your wallet and cell phone. Um, You know, they're always looking for the easiest target. And, uh, you know, it's in everybody's benefit to not be that person. Yeah. It's funny because reputation seems safe, but really... Lack of repetition would be safer and fun life hack would be more interesting because you'd go to different places, meet sure. new people. Go different ways. Yeah, so it really true. just gave us a good... Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's why you should change it up. Don't go to the same Starbucks tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I won't or Starbucks. Make your, make your own coffee, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and it's cheaper. It could save you money. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Way, way yeah. cheaper. I'm still a Folgers guy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know, a perfect example of that is for those with the agency. So we'd go to pick up the director every morning and we'd take him to the White House to go and have the, um, the briefing with the president, give him his intelligence briefing. We did it every morning with uh, President Bush. And uh, the director was a Dunkin' Donuts fan and he'd want to stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get a crumb cake and a coffee every morning <laughs> on the way in. You know, so we'd pull in with our motorcade and run into Dunkin' Donuts. I don't oppose this decision, by the way. I no, no, it was fine. <laughs> so you know, we had a conversation with him about setting these patterns and stuff. And uh, so the compromise was he was still going to get his Dunkin' Donuts. We would just, as we were coming out to the house to pick him up, we would stop. We knew what his order was. We'd (laughs) stop and get his order for him. And then it would be in the car waiting. He'd come out and he'd get in the car and we'd head down to the White House and he'd have his Dunkin' Donuts. And he was happy, but we didn't set that pattern of him going there every morning on the the way. Yeah, Interesting. The director is not always unintentional intelligence professional right is that an appointed position it is an appointed position by so the president they, yeah okay all right so i so because i was wondering i was like you think if they grew up in that environment they would just have that built in as well sure. like but then they might not always right a lot of them are not like the current director gina haspel right um, she's a career agency officer right came up through the ranks uh when i was there uh george Tennant was the director for the majority of the time that mm-hmm. i was on the protective detail um, he came over from the National Security Council, so he'd kind of been in, Had involved some, in yeah. intelligence, but really from that kind of national and strategic standpoint, he right. wasn't, you know, a CIA officer that kind of came up through the ranks and, and learned the tradecraft and all that stuff. So it really just depends on um, on who you know the president nominates. Right. You know, there was talk for a while there that uh, that Senator Cotton was. Uh, you know, in the running to I to be that conversation. the CIA director at some point, and you know he's not somebody with intelligence experience. He may have been on some of the intelligence committees, right? It uh, on the Hill, in his uh, in his position there in Congress. But um, yeah, so it just it sometimes it can be someone who mm-hmm. comes up through the ranks, and then other times just you know, a political appointee. Well, and sometimes uh, having an outside view can be a beneficial because you like even if your route to work isn't the same. Sometimes I think it's possible to start like you start thinking the same type of way. And so sometimes having an outside view can be helpful, I guess. So that being an appointed position could be beneficial, right? Like bringing in somebody from the NSA is going to have a slightly different view and a slightly different history coming into that. And that might be beneficial to the conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. Definitely. Never thought about that. So you mentioned something about a second book. Uh-huh. I'm about two, two, two-thirds of the way through right now. Um, hope to get it done here in the next few months. Mm-hmm. And then again, I'll have to send it off to the agency to get reviewed, um, depending on how long that takes. Uh, again, I hope to have it out you know, before the end of the year. Yeah, remember, um, make the title, This is a Work of Fiction. <laughs> you'll, you'll clearly get a Tehran's fiction. fiction. So, so on the bottom, though, there's a subtitle that says... A Joe Matthews thriller. That I need my reading glasses. Uh, yeah. Joe Matthews thriller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have them now. Uh, so is the second book a yeah. Joe Matthews thriller? Yeah, it's a continuation. It's a, a series. So Joe Matthews is my protagonist. Kind of Spoiler, my, he my lives hero. through the first book. Oh, You man. gave that away. Unless the second book is a prequel. <laughs> Oh, nice. 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 You can use that on the third See? book. When you write he's, yourself he's in the corner, call the Aaron. Box there, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Good job. That's yeah. all I do. <laughs> Aaron didn't know there was a box. <laughs> right? It got rained on. Soggy. Soggy box. So whenever Katie came in, like, to my work and has for quite a few years, I don't remember how long you've been shopping there for a yeah. while. A two, at least I've been years. there for seven years. Probably but, uh, at least that long, yeah. She said something about you writing a book. And so everyone in the store is like, oh, really? Yeah. You know? And then, you know, all these things come out of, like, some of your past as far as, you know, CIA work, which we had no idea, uh-huh. you know? It's just like sometimes you get to know people, but you don't know what they do outside of that. Sure. So then, like, it sort of made my ears perk up a little bit. It's like, no joke, that's really cool. You know, but uh, just anyway, th- this worked out great. But it's... uh. She mentioned recently that you're working on possibly getting an audio version to like an audio book. Yep, it's being worked on right now. Um, mm-hmm. I spent the last couple of months um, kind of um, auditioning different uh, narrators and producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, settled on one who's a great guy, um, and he's working on it right now. Sweet. And uh, we hope to have it out end of June, maybe. Wow. So we will have the audiobook vis- version out, mm-hmm. um, I think. Probably June is what we were shooting on for. Audible. On Audible, yeah. Cool. What yeah. what was that process like? What start to finish? Just because. Yeah, I, it was really interesting. Um, so I had a uh, had to pick a section, three or four or five pages, something like that, to kind of use as the script. Right. Um, I submitted that through Audible, and then um, it was kind of a combination of once it was up, um, kind of in their portal. Any of their narrators could uh, do a read and submit me a, an audio clip that mm-hmm. I could listen to. Um, and then also there's just a list of all the narrators. So I could go through also and, and pick some and I'd shoot them an email and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. You know, love if you'd take a minute to, to do a read here if you're interested. Um, this is what it's all about and everything. And so it was, a, it was quite a process. There was a lot of um, interest. Mm-hmm. And so there were a whole bunch to go through. And then, you know, I'd kind of narrow it down to the top 10 and then narrow it down to the top five. Mm-hmm. And then I'd kind of have my favorite. And then I'd bring Kate in to listen. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of this one versus this one? And then I'd have the kids. And then we'd all sit around and we'd listen, you know. And, uh, yeah, then we finally settled on the one. And um, Morgan Freeman gets all the good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Or was it David Attenborough? I may have guessed wrong. That's yeah, Richard. Is it Richard, Richard Attenborough? Well, there's David and Richard. Yeah. I'm just being. I thought David Attenborough did the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just throwing me off. I don't know. That <laughs> it was Morgan Freeman. I'm settling with Morgan, yeah, Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Rubin. <laughs> <That's, Okay. laughs> 
Pee Wee Herman. Uh, yeah. When did the book release? It was uh, December of 2018, so right before last Christmas. Okay, so just it's still yeah. very new. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it, so, I guess you already gave the blurb, kind of. Um, go ahead. I had a question. I forgot. No, I, I got caught up all in that. It's a. Uh, I don't know what a. See, you threw me off by doing that. Oh, I did read to you earlier, though, and I think I did a great job. I'm just saying, uh-huh. I did read it out loud, and I think I would be a good voiceover guy. It was a yeah. menu. It was a menu. No, it was the first two pages of that. You get a sense of the the voice, and and the style. it doesn't matter what they read, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good point. Phone book later. There you go. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, can you tell us a rough blurb of book two? Yeah. Your elevator pitch? The pitch is, um, you know, for the past 20 years or so, the U.S. has been unrivaled with its uh, its UAV program, with the uh, drone strikes and what mm-hmm. we can do um, from a, an intelligence standpoint with um, a reconnaissance and surveillance or the uh, you know the attacks that that we use them for, and um, you know as we have going on now over in um, like Syria with the Russians over there participating and really heavily supporting um, the Syrian regime against the rebels and and uh, kind of propping them up and keeping them going, trying to expand their influence in, in the Middle East and that part of the world, what would happen if some foreign power stole or got a hold of one of our drones and was able to fly it and then conduct attacks that were blamed on the United oh, States nice. to try to diminish our standing in the region so that they could take over and have a bigger role? So um, it's very nefarious. It is. Yeah, it's darn Russians. You're man. good at this whole storytelling thing. That's <laughs> I like how the Russians are still the bad guys. Like it's like man, those guys. They are number one at something. Like those guys, <laughs> they are always the bad guys. <laughs> True. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Really. Yeah. Like it's like we went from like the Persians to Russia, and we're yeah. just not letting go. Wow. <laughs> I'm surprised that it wasn't Russians at the 300 fought on the. That Spartan. was the per- that was my yeah. reference. Yeah, right. it was, but yeah. I'm surprised yeah. it. Which geographically, like not yeah. super not far too, apart. Yeah, like, not I too mean, far. Like, there could have been some in there, right? Not too far. <laughs> I mean, yes. the, fa- yeah. the grandfather of the Russians was in the lineup. <laughs> I think we yeah. can always count on the Iranians and the Russians. It does and, seem, yeah, uh, you know, you know, and things are sparking odds up with the yeah, things are sparking up again here with the Iranians. Um, I, I, we got yeah. some tensions going on there, so mm. glad that that's kind of bringing that back to the forefront of everybody's mind as they think maybe about my book and giving it a shot. Um, Where is said book available? So the book is available um, on Amazon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hard copy and um, an ebook on Amazon. Okay. Then it's also available on Apple Books. Nice. And uh, Kobo, which is another um, I feel like I vaguely book that. program that's affiliated with Walmart. So gotcha. I had to, okay, okay. I had that's to do that because you know nobody at Walmart shopping at Amazon. So. <laughs> oh, what? Fair enough. <laughs> It's, it feels like maybe you should put it on the Walmart uh, shopping. Of course, yeah, Kobo. absolutely. Mm-hmm. But not available on Nook, or is it available? on No, Nook? it's not on Nook. No, gotcha. So I'll see about expanding. I'll, I'll the have to buy the Amazon the version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like the hard copy. I, was, I tried the e- so I actually managed Barnes and Noble for a while. Okay, like, was on the e-reader train. I did it for a while, but then it turned yeah. out a lot of times it's almost cheaper just to buy the physical copy yeah. like on day of release and i really love 
the physical copy of a book and I just you know, fell I'm, back out of it. I'm so torn myself because back when I was traveling with the agency a ton was before e-readers and, and all right. that kind of thing, you know, and I'd be gone on a long trip and I'd be taking, you know, two or three hardcovers and, you know, my backpack's getting just heavy mm-hmm. and then I could get an iPad or a reader and I could have 500 books on there, you know, and just have, you know, the tiny mm-hmm. little device. Yeah. But there is something to be said for having the physical book in your hands and turning the pages and feeling the paper and smelling it and all that right. kind of stuff. So I really, yeah. you know, I've, I lean more towards um, the hardcovers. Um, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks, though. Um, yeah, you you know, that. whether it's on my yeah. commute or I'm running or I'm riding a bike or, or whatever, um, you know, I, I consume a bunch through, through audio as well. Right. Yeah, when I traveled a lot, e-reader was a thing. Yeah, but I don't absolutely. travel as much anymore, and so yeah. now it's like the physical is just my go-to, I guess. I'll be getting this on the audio version once it's out. Because Sweet. Just like driving, you know, 25 yeah. to 35 minutes in the morning, the same on the way home. Drive yeah, me to work every day, and I will read it to you <laughs> while you take me to work. Your impressions are horrible, route. Daniel. This is, I want, no. no. I'll just do them all as Canadian. <laughs> all as all is Daniel. <laughs> What's that? A? <laughs> yeah. It'll be perfect. I can't even do my own accent. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll have to work some Canadians in there next time. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Make I've those got a role. Evil. Yeah. I'm going to work my way into Fifth the next worst work. bad guy. Everybody uh, likes the Canadians, though. There's right. nothing not to like about them. We are the most likable of people. Yeah, it'd be Us hard. In Honda riders. It'd be hard to I'm make uh, Canadians the bad guys. <gasps> right. Couldn't they just three. They just Book three. Oh my it's gosh. been the longest yeah. running bait and switch ever. <laughs> and they go. secretly fund Russia and Iran. Could be. Oh my gosh. The maple leaf cahoots. turns into a hammer and sickle. And yeah. I can say this because it's going to take a long time for the Royal Mounted Police to get here. <laughs> Sorry, Alberta <laughs> <But> listeners. <laughs> they always get their man. Eventually. That's true. Eventually. <laughs> what was that you. 90s show with the. It was a, a Royal Mounted Policeman hooked up with a Chicago detective. Oh. <gasps> You know what I'm talking you're about? Right. And he would like smell everything all the time. No, what was that? This is totally unrelated. I know to this what book. you're talking about. Yeah, it was we really watched good. It. My actually. mom watched it. It was like, oh, what was it? Because we used to watch Northern Exposure, and then that show. Oh That's my god! That's my gosh. second reference that I have no work for. If my wife was paying attention to the conversation, she could Google she, it she for us know, and then yeah. find out. <laughs> well, you know, we need a Google. She's paying That's attention. Our, we need a Google. She's crushing that candy. So, <laughs> once again, 12-year-old me would be remiss if I didn't ask, Sure. Yeah. Um, what different decisions should I have made at the age of 18 to get a job at the CIA, other than look in the newspaper more often, apparently, because sure. this was also pre-internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, um, if, if that was something you were interested in doing, what are things that you would suggest? I think uh, languages mm-hmm. are always something that's sought after, um, especially... Um, Languages for the hotspots, right? Not right. necessarily French or German or Spanish or whatever, which are all fantastic mm-hmm. and, and good to know. But, um, you know, people who can speak Arabic or Farsi or right. Pashto, mm-hmm. things of those nature, um, of that nature, I think uh, maybe Russian because the Russians are always going to be the yeah. bad guys, right? <laughs> Learn Russian. Yeah. And start exactly. watching more movies. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm going to watch all on. the John Wicks again. Yeah. And then turn up. <laughs> watch so. that Rocky movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that exactly. counts. <laughs> Dolph the, yeah. the Mr. T one, he's not Russian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Drago. Was it yeah. Drago? Mm-hmm. I, Ivan Drago? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I think, uh, and there are probably certain, um, uh, you know, degree programs that, that they're looking for as well. But it's, it, the one, one of the other things about the agency that's unique or interesting, there is 
a wide breadth of of jobs there. I mean, we have doctors, there are physicists, there's scientists, there's psychologists, um, you know, there are carpenters and designers and, uh, you know, people who are great with, with the web and, um, you know, computer science. And so there are just so many um, different um, jobs there for people who have different skills um, that it's it's really cool. You know, not, not everybody's going to go there and be um, an operations officer and be out in the field. But there are tons of jobs that are just as important um, you know, supporting those people or, like you said, crunching the data and doing the analysis or all those types of things. So they're looking for, you know, people across the board and all different types of skill levels. And I think if you ever had a chance growing up to live overseas um, or experience traveling overseas, you know, that's, I think, Helps probably well. something that's desirable as well, yeah, that you've got that experience. I've traveled overseas, I was born overseas, and I can do carpentry. And there might be a spot for me. I think I've got something. What's the age limit? <laughs> I'm not in my mid to late double twenties like you. Yeah, I still I'm, have some time. I'm like left. two years past being able. To I have to get way now. better at the stairs at the gym though because of, whoa, <laughs> down the stairs depends on what I you're going to do. do the ground floor office, yeah. please. <laughs> sure. Who's this new guy that's wheezing? <laughs> Sounds like a fire alarm going off. It's <laughs> yeah. a deviated septum, Aaron. Right. You don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Katie looked it up, and it's called Due South. Do South. Yeah. yeah. So you went from Northern Exposure to Do South. I knew it was something. I knew it had South yes. in the name, but yeah. I couldn't remember yeah. the... But also time period-wise. So that's the the Mountie with yep. the Chicago going detective. Chicago. Yeah, Man, South. Cool. I'll, have to, I'll have to revisit that. Yeah, well, let's see if that's on Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I can't probably vouch not for the quality last <laughs> yeah. yeah, That may be one of those things that's like yeah. better as a memory. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like G.I. Joe and Transformers. <laughs> You try to watch a show you watched as a kid, and it's just like, yeah, wow, this not is the bad. same. Yeah, just we've like had that. Gives uh, you hope as a writer, though. Yep. You yeah. rewatch the GI Joe movie and realize that every third line is Gojo. Gojo said different ways. Mm-hmm. A guy dies and he picks him up and he's like, "Go, <laughs> Joe." <laughs> like, <it's> like, <laughs> don't go, Joe. Don't go. go. It's like Groot, but not as <laughs> oh well gosh. done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to get him motivated. Um, sure. And, do you have a social media presence? I do. It's uh, across the board. It's uh, at Dave Austin Books. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, my website. Awesome. Um, most of my interaction, though, is Twitter and Instagram. Gotcha. Not a big fan of Facebook. Don't do yeah. a whole lot there. So where I do most of my interaction with people and most of my um, my posting and stuff is is Twitter and Instagram. Very cool. At Dave Austin? Dave Austin Books. Dave Austin Books. Dave Austin yep. Books. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. nice. Because there's some Rose books out there with a man with a similar name. Yes. And I yes. gladly it, found this one. David Austin. <laughs> yep. You find those and it's uh he's a very good gardener. Apparently. Apparently. He's got a lot of books. And out there's there. a there's actually a David Austin Rose, I believe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So oh, wow. Yeah. It's getting confusing. That's not yeah. mine. There's no. also a Daniel Quinn author, some I can't write. Yep. There's no. Santa. We won't talk about Aaron. Well, and he wrote too. like yeah. a New York Times bestseller, so yeah. I just have to totally change my That's name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't work at all. <laughs> Aaron has a question he likes to ask everybody. Well, it's not even a question. Aaron's right. going to... S- I'll let you explain it. I'm going to begin a sentence and you finish it, basically. Ooh. Okay. No wrong answers. Okay. It's just first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. 
I wish I could. Write a New York Times bestseller? <laughs> there you go. You may be well on your way. That's, uh... I don't know. We'll I'm trying. They say that the, uh, the only difference between uh, a published author and an unpublished author is the published author didn't quit. Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly.